three, two, one. Welcome to the So Rare in the States basketball podcast with my co-host Alec. How's it going? What's going ba- on? Ba- basketball? What, what, it's what's, it's what's gonna going be interesting on? to see. We got a uh, we got football, we got baseball, and we're we're dipping our toes here. Actually, not even dipping our toes. We're diving right into basketball. We're ready to roll, and um, can't wait for it to happen. My favorite part is like, hey, look at this new basketball podcast over in the states. Who are these guys? Like, we've been they're guests on another podcast, and all of a sudden they're hosts. How how did uh how did how did we get here? Look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> Look at me now. Look <laughs> at me now. Uh, but dude, are are you excited? So rare NBA. It is on the way. All right. We got soccer, football. Sorry, some of you don't don't yell at me. We got MLB. Now we have NBA. What's it what What's it going to be? What's it going to look like? Oh, I don't know. I I'm excited to see how it goes. Um, I mean, there, there's a whole lot they can do with NBA and I mean, just with how quickly baseball progressed, I mean, I, I can't wait for NBA to come around and, um, you know, we'll touch on it later, but season's coming up here pretty quick. We got preseason starting in it's 6am Eastern time here. So, um, we're, we're coming up pretty quick on it and then, man, I can't wait. I'm excited. Dude, I'm not going to lie. Like even before Sober announced this, I had like, I had already said this was the year that I was really going to get into the NBA again. All right. I am from Orlando, Florida. As most of you probably know, the magic are not fun to watch. And so I, sorry if I may have tuned out for the last season or two, because um, there is just nothing enticing about it, but I'm here now. I have so rare. So now I'm going to double dip. But uh, for those people that uh, don't really know who we are or, May have only heard maybe an hour of us at all uh what's what's your story what is your so rare what is your so rare story yeah so my so rare story i just got into so rare back in july when baseball launched thanks to our good buddy mls card guy um really never knew much about it other than never heard of about it um talk a little bit but um you know really just kind of I, i'm a huge baseball fan so i just kind of saw that was coming on jumped right in and um, been in love with it ever since just a, a great way to kind of get that fantasy baseball aspect, but also the, uh, the whole collecting side of it too. So, you know, still very new to sober, I guess I'm three months into it now, but I mean, I'm, I'm fully locked in for basketball right around the corner. And I mean, man, I can't wait. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like I, w- I was kind of excited for baseball. Cause I was like, Oh, cool. A new product. And I have not watched baseball in years. Like I'm talking years. I'm talking like Craig Biggio, like, Berkman Bagwell, like old school Astros back in the day because spring training takes place in Florida. But yeah, like I went to spring training games. That was the extent of my MLB, like not even regular season, just spring training. So, but I, uh, I love, I love silver. I love the game. I love the football side, baseball, even though I don't watch it, I have enjoyed playing it. So this basketball side, like I, I am so ready to dive full in. And I guess that's, uh, that's why we're here. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. I mean, being a uh, Bulls fan, it's it's been a tough couple of years recently, but I mean, with a solid season last year and, you know, that's that's really pulling me back in. So, you know, we will have to talk about that, uh, that Bulls magic trade from a couple of years ago at some point, but um, we'll see kind of how that's worked out. I think Jerry's still out on it exactly, but uh, I mean, it's going to be good. Can't wait. 
listen, you, you, you got, listen, you're coming in episode one, coming in, dropping the hard, the hard truth, the hurtful truth. I'm, I don't even want to get into that at all, <laughs> but how, so you are a Bulls fan, not the easiest. I, I, I kind of grew up in Chicago too. Uh, I may have followed the Bulls as a kid, but I am an Orlando native at this point. So I chose the magic, which was kind of a, maybe a wrong move on my part, but we'll see how this season goes. Uh, just to bring up, we do have the uh, first round pick. So, uh, you know, there, there, there is, there is some magic of brewing. I'm just saying. There's exactly, it's a whole lot of good things happening down there. And, uh, you know, it'll be, it's, I'm sure it's been a long couple of seasons, but I mean, it's, it's got to turn around at some point, got a lot of young talent there. So I think you'll be all set here soon. Did, did you did you play basketball growing up or was it something that you kind of just picked up you were a fan of you just kind of followed for a while yeah so played uh pretty much my whole childhood really up until um high school and then played intramurals in high school and college um so i think kind of my my big basketball claim to fame is i scored 30 points one game um never really came close to it outside of that so that was kind of i don't know i don't know what happened i don't know if it was the uh the shoes from like mike that i was wearing Ooh, was going on movie. there but um, kind of one hit wonder there. So, I mean, now just kind of playing just for fun, but I mean, been a basketball fan my whole life and, you know, growing up in Chicago, that's everyone's a basketball fan. There's really no choice to it. Um, you know, I unfortunately just missed out on being able to watch Michael Jordan. I was, a uh, was born the year after that, or I guess a couple months after, um, that number six championship came through. So never really got oh, to no. see it, but I mean, being from Chicago, basketball is in my blood. I mean, I'm, I'm tuned into every game, locked in, you know, following uh, highlights, whether it is. So, you know, I've stayed up till 2 a.m. at times watching games. And I mean, that's just that's part of being a fan. And that's what makes it fun. So, you know, to be able to do that on the so rare side, I'm I'm just excited for it and really gets that uh, that fun, you know, connectivity to it, too. Well, see, so you have experience. You can kind of chime in with our European viewers who when they want to watch MLB or MLS or now probably basketball, they're going to have to be up to the wee hours just to catch some games if they do want to jump in this product. So it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting for that. I don't know how they're going to sleep, man. If they're, if they're jump jumping, playing three so rare products all, you know, across the pond, you know, when are they, when are they, when are they going to sleep? Yeah. Grind don't stop team, no sleep, all the, uh, all the little cliche sayings there, but you know, that that's what watching highlights are for. So, you know, thankfully with how global basketball is, it's, it's very easy to watch content, whether it's, you know, condensed games, highlights, full games, whatever you want to do, it's all very accessible. So, you know, even for our friends across the pond, it's going to be very easy to follow along and, you know, looking forward to everyone jumping on. So, so as far and kind of going off that with so many, uh, you know, other players coming from overseas, kind of maybe checking out NBA as long, you know, now that they've played MLB and football. So kind of like, let's kind of explain how, how does the NBA work? How does the season work? When do the games happen? You know, kind of give me, Give me, talk to me like, talk to me like I'm six years old. What, what is, what is the NBA? How does it work? What's the structure? Yeah. So quick little rundown season runs from October to March. Um, playoffs will start after that. So 82 game season. Um, I believe this year it actually starts on October 18th. Maybe it's the 17th right around there. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's 82 game season. So it's definitely a grind, um, kind of a, a good midway between, you know, the 162 from baseball and, um, you know, soccer, I believe is 30 or so. So, um, kind of good halfway point from there. Um, schedule wise, you play every team twice. So that that's always fun to kind of see, you know, matchups and teams you might not necessarily play often. Um, but there's uh, two conferences of 15 teams. So we got a total of 30 teams there. Um, you play five guys at a time. So you typically have um, you know two guards who are kind of a little smaller, better handling with the ball, better shooters. 
um, two forwards who are kind of, you know, big, big guys down low, um, better in the paint, good defenders. And then um, you'll start a center as well, who's typically kind of your giant on the team. Um, good shot blocker, great at getting rebounds. Those guys are typically about seven feet tall. So um, if you ever pass one on the street, you'll know when you see them. So that's kind of always a fun thing too. Um, but it's, it's, you know, about five guys or it's not about, it's five guys on a court each time, not about five little slip up on my part there. So I do apologize for all you folks out there who are new to basketball. That's um, going on a t-shirt. Puts, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be great. Um, but so each team puts five guys out there. So, um, rosters are typically about 12 or 13 guys. So, um, most teams typically play eight or nine a night. And then you have a bunch of guys that are out there really just kind of for, you know, fillers or if someone gets hurt or rookies. So, um, from a so rare standpoint, there's really only going to be probably six of those guys that you're going to want to target of the eight. Um, just cause as you get towards the bottom of the bench, there's, you know, guys that don't really play a whole lot. Um, but what is nice kind of, you know, comparing it to soccer is you can make substitutions at any stoppage of play. And once you get subbed out, you can also then come back in. So, you know, even if you have a guy who's coming off an injury and you know, he's not playing, you know, a full night, you can still kind of trust him to play, you know, at least about 20 minutes a game. Um, and with full games being 48 minutes, that's still a pretty good chunk. So, you know, definitely a lot of time for guys to rack up kind of points, rebounds, assists, all your kind of standard statistic things there. Um, so it's going to be a definitely kind of good there. But, you know, after touching on kind of roster size, you know, Jorge, if you kind of want to touch about, you know, I know you're a, a magic fan, but there's kind of certain teams that you want to target um, or kind of guys that are, are kind of been big in the league so far. And, um, you know, who you're looking excited for to, you know, really go after this year. So, you know, it's it's weird because like it, it it also comes down to like a personal thing. Um, as far as me, like I love a good comeback story, especially with the last couple of years in the NBA. There's been so many injuries, um, and I think in in more recent times, I think one of the things that I remember most from the NBA is that Raptors run to the finals with Kawhi Leonard, um, and just how just incredible like that one shot that bounced off the rim like three or four times before going in and the buzzer the buzzer beater the winner. Um, just so many things. So Kawhi coming back uh, this year. Like, say what you will, people like will have, you know, their opinions on whatever. Uh, but I am really excited for Kawhi Leonard to be back and Zion Williamson. I'll hop on that. I'll hop on that train. I'm also kind of targeting like I'm targeting like the teams that kind of didn't show up last year and kind of had a rough season uh, to really, really make a comeback. Um, I, I think I think the NBA, as, as far as I know, because like I said, I'm kind of just copping back in. But I feel like the structure in the NBA, uh, it's not uh like, do teams dominate, like, year over year for, like, long? Like, I know, like, we have the Warriors or whatever. Say what you will about them. But, like, do teams often dominate or does it kind of go back and forth a lot? So I think it really kind of goes back and forth. I think the one thing that really makes basketball unique um, is the fact that it's very star-driven and star-centric. So, you know, you could have a run. You know, you mentioned um, the Toronto Raptors beating the Golden State Warriors. You know, at the time, Golden State was kind of that that peak franchise, the team that was playing in the championship every year. Um, they're on a huge stretch there, but you know, you get a guy like Kawhi Leonard who can come in and kind of stop that. And, you know, people really credit Kawhi Leonard for quote saving the NBA because that really broke up, you know, that warrior super team. And you can get a star who can play for Golden State one year, but if he goes to, let's just say a team like the Magic the next year, all of a sudden the Magic are, are in playoff contention. And, you know, some people could say, you know, even championship contenders. So, you know, one thing that does make it really fun about basketball is with how star centric it is, you know, the, you know, parity between teams can change, you know, forget between the year, it can change in at one trade at the trade deadline. So 
Um, really anything can happen, but for the most part, I think it stays pretty consistent, you know, kind of in probably about three to four year stretches um, where teams will kind of be good for a couple of years. Then they'll, they'll draft a new guy. They'll make a trade. So um, the net cycle just kind of starts all over. So it's very fun as a basketball fan to kind of, you know, know that even if your team's not good for, you know, two years, you can still kind of come back um, unless you're kind of a magic fan. I know it's been a, a couple dark years. So um, but I mean, as, as I mentioned, it's very easy to come back with that. They got the number one pick, so it's, it's coming back and, and things are definitely on the up for sure. Yeah. You're, you're just going on about all these teams, just picking up stars and stuff. And I have never, ever seen that in my life in Orlando. Um, uh, don't really know why we're allergic to stars and star players or why no one really wants to come to Orlando. Uh, LeBron James, I still remember that interview. I'm still a little salty about that, but it is what it is. Uh, but yes, we have the number one pick this year and like again, a team played with injuries. We've rebuilt. If you really want to go into it, we can talk about that stupid trade, but we have, we've rebuilt. We built up from scratch. It's a bunch of young guys that everyone maybe kind of wrote off or just maybe decided weren't really good enough, but media day just happened. Preseason is around the corner. And I will say, you know, coming out of what I saw from there, uh, these magic kids are hungry. Uh, and they know that the league kind of really looks down upon them and they look hungry. They look built. They look fit. Uh, they let's hope we can get some results and not get played with injuries again. Uh, but again, like you said, you never really know. Um, do you know uh, of any major trades that happened kind of going on that this offseason that maybe some, what someone should look about any team dynamics that may have changed? I know the Celtics had a really good run last season and they're kind of just going through a lot of drama with their manager as well. So who knows how that team will look like? Shout out to Al Horford, which is an OG go Gators. Uh, yep. But you know, he's still rocking it. He may be an old man, but he looked incredible in that playoff run last season. So the, uh, it, it, it warmed my heart. Yeah. So, I mean, biggest trade, it actually happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, Donovan Mitchell, who is a shooting guard for, or formerly for the Utah jazz um, got traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, so Cleveland really has a very young backcourt now. Um, they had um, someone on um, Isaiah Mobley, who I think should have won the, um, or excuse me, Evan Mobley, who should have won rookie of the year, um, but did not. So, I mean, they got a, a incredibly young team there, kind of like you mentioned with the the magic, a lot of young guys, but, you know, to bring in a star like Donovan Mitchell, like that, who, um, you know, shout out Louisville, went to University of Louisville and, um, you know, coming into that team can really kind of bring somewhat of a veteran presence and, um, you know, a guy that you definitely want the ball in his hands late in game. So that was probably the biggest of the offseason. Um, but I think one of the bigger stories as well was, you know, not a trade actually was the Los Angeles Lakers not being able to trade um, Russell Westbrook. And then in the return that broke the nets, not being able to trade Kevin Durant. So those were, I think at the time before the Donovan Mitchell trade, kind of your two biggest off season stories, there was actually, you know, moves not being made, which, um, definitely kind of blew up Twitter for a bit there, but I mean, really cooled down quick, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, kind of touching back on that, you know, I know you'd mentioned that media day was, you know, this past week. So kind of what was your, you know, favorite story or favorite, you know, kind of meme, anything like that that you saw coming out, um, just cause a lot of times media day can be very fun, both for players and fans as well. I, I, I will say, and like, that's one thing that I noticed about the NBA. Like, I feel like, especially like, you know, coming from a very deep dive in football that I took in the last year, because it's so rare, um, media day is just about like having fun, just like hanging out, like just kind of just shooting it up on interviews just like a bunch of people getting back together just it's more like a hey the basketball season's here like let's hang out like while, while even while looking for news i was like trying to look at like 
player news or like you know like hyped up players and obviously like your top tens and like whatever list and like all the main major news articles are all just like drama between players and drama between coaches and staff and just all this other just like fluff off the court like nonsense like does any of that really matter in the nba like does does that kind of stuff really like say like i'm targeting a guy on so rare or whatever and is it really going to affect his playing time the way he plays like all this off the court drama or is it just like fluff just cl- clickbait so I think I think a little bit of both. I think it is a lot of fluff and clickbait, but at the same time, um, just kind of from my my personal perspective, I think the NBA does have the most drama out of any of the main um, sports within the U.S. So, I mean, you'll get a guy that or a reporter that'll just kind of go rogue and say, "Hey, there's a trade rumor," or you know, a lot of guys are on Twitter. So um, I mentioned Kevin Durant as well. He's very active on Twitter, so he'll he'll put out something at, you know, 1.30 AM one night and everyone's out there, you know, right when it comes out, trying to figure out what it means and decipher it. And, you know, at the end of the day, he could just be saying, Hey man, I got to be better. You know, I, I had a tough game and, you know, got to rely more on my teammates, but people then spin that and say, you know, Kevin Durant doesn't trust his teammates. He's trying to do it all himself. So um, always a lot of drama, but at the same time, it, it makes it very entertaining, you know, for both on the court because guys then will see that they'll get motivated. Um, they'll play better, kind of, you know, go after it more, but, off the court as well. There, there's always something to talk about. And, you know, there's always some story that, you know, you're trying to figure out, is this a story? Is this just kind of, you know, inside locker room talk, what's really going on? And, and really at the end of the day, you never know. And that's just kind of what makes it so fun to, to really kind of figure out and, and kind of investigate a bit too. No, I will say, I think, and I don't even remember the details of it, but it was when uh, Westbrook was at OKC and he, I forget who he was beefing with on some team you know, but just watching him on the court, just like just talking back and forth the entire game, like maybe putting the shoulder at a little too hard, like just the animosity on the court, like, dude, it, it can't, it can be fun sometimes. And like, I wonder if there's like a strategy and like, we'll get into that right now. We'll go in like the sober side a little bit, but like, I wonder like, can you build a bad boy squad? Like kind of like the Detroit Pistons, like, can you build just like a team of just like dominant guys and just, it'll make watching the NBA and playing sober so much fun. Just pick a yeah, bunch of like bullies on the court and just watch them just ball out. Yeah, it definitely depends kind of how you want to go after it. Um, if you want to have a team where, you know, it, it's guys that you're going to watch night in and night out, or at least that you'll see highlights of, definitely go after kind of a bad boys team because they're just out there making content. Um, but you got to know kind of in the back of your mind there that, you know, even though they're doing that, they're making content, they're probably not putting up the highest scores. So um, it's kind of kind of finding that good balance of a guy that, you know, his name will be out there because he's talented, but he's also not doing too much where he's getting ejected, he's getting suspended, you know, fines coming in and all that. So really kind of depends. But, you know, as I mentioned, kind of with the off court drama, I mean, trade rumors come before the season starts and, and, you know, right up until the trade deadline. And even after the trade deadline, it's, Oh, who's going to get dealt in the off season. So there's always trade rumors, which I think can make it pretty fun. Cause I know stacks are a big thing in so rare. So, you know, if there's a guy that you're seeing is rumored to go to one team, maybe you're trying to target him before that trade actually happens. So you're, you're one step ahead of everyone else. So um, definitely with the trade rumors and free agency and all that, I think being kind of one step ahead and, you know, you got to be a little careful. You don't want to just start buying up guys just because, you know, one reporter tweeted something. But um, anytime that something starts to really pick up steam in the NBA, both on the on the reporting side and kind of just on Twitter, it more than likely ends up happening. So if you're able to kind of target that and catch that before it really pops off and actually happens, I think you could be in some great shape there um, to get a player undervalued and or even before it gets you know dealt to a new team and all of a sudden, you know, goes from being the second guy off the bench to now he's their starting point guard and just putting up huge numbers every night. So 
you know, definitely kind of staying or trying to stay in the know with things can be huge in the long run. And that's, and that's something I kind of like, now that you bring it up, um, as far as like trades go, like when, when do they normally like, can they trade all year? Is there like a certain deadline also? Is it always like player for player trades or is there just like straight, you know, cash some sort of monetary value attached to these players? Because I feel like a lot of times, yeah, you'll see like first round picks or something like that. But there's always, it always feels like there's a player attached. Is that like a normal thing or is that not always the case? Yeah. So for the most part, there's typically a player involved. Um, the trades kind of take place really at any point once the season starts until the trade deadline, which I want to say is early February, kind of right around there. Um, so you're really getting a, a majority of the season where guys can get traded, which, you know, definitely always makes it fun um, from a fan perspective because rosters are always changing, but especially as a so rare player, because, you know, if you have a player who's on a bad team, you know, he could still move up to a good team that's now all of a sudden making a big playoff run. Um, so it, it trades can happen really at any time. I mean, there's there was one summer a trade went down at, at 3.30 a.m. I woke up to a ton of text messages from friends because I fell asleep thinking, hey, man, like even though it's the summer, like I'm not really doing anything here. Like it's time to go to bed. And of course, half hour later, it goes through. So um, that's something that also makes the NBA fun is, is stuff will come down at any time. Um, and it, it really can come from, you know, anywhere and out of nowhere. Um, but definitely one of the, the biggest names to follow for sure for that um, on Twitter is Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, so it's, it's his ad on Twitter is at W-A-W-O-J-E-S-P-N. Um, and he's the main ESPN reporter for um, the NBA. And I mean, I, I've never seen him tweet anything that's been wrong. And a lot of times he's very careful about saying, oh, this deal is expected to happen or, you know, team a is looking into something with team B and more than likely within a half hour, that trade is actually completed. So, um, he's probably the best guy to follow for that. Um, I have his notifications turned on and even though half the time, it's just a random player getting signed, you know, when a big trade goes down, being one of the first to know that is, is always pretty cool. So he's probably the number one guy to follow. Um, and there's just, you know, a lot of other accounts, ESPN or NBA on ESPN is pretty good about that. Um, your basic bleach reports, kind of things like that. Um, and just kind of digging into it too. But um, Warjanowski is probably the biggest name to, to follow. And he's, you know, pretty correct on most things as well. Um, but Jorge, did you have kind of any others that, you know, I missed? I know there's a ton of different ones, but um, I'm kind of taking the big one there, but I'm not sure if there's any you kind of follow or um, any magic reporters that you kind of know and, and see stuff like that. Ooh, put me on the spot like that. Uh, to be honest, I am still working through that. Uh, since we kind of decided that we were going to do the show and do all that. Like I said, I was like, Oh man, I really got to start diving deep into basketball. So I followed about like 2025 20, basketball podcasts in the last week. Uh, I am kind of making my way through them and kind of just trying to weed out the noise, trying to see like, you know, who is really out here spewing facts, who is more opinionated, just like biased. Like, so I'm kind of working my way through that. So I'm not going to come out here and say, Oh, this is who I trust. Other than uh, I'm a big fan of just following the, uh, what I, what I like to do, especially on Twitter, I like going to the like pay, the team pages on their Twitter and then going through there and then seeing who they interact with uh, and seeing like the little like sideline reporters and stuff and like, you know, people that like they retweet and stuff like that. Because that means one, they either work for the team or they're like really, really heavy involved with the media for the team, which typically, you know, they're usually, you know, in the locker rooms at the practices, stuff like that. Um, so I kind of like to do a little like trial and error do a little research and then that's usually how i do it and that's what i do for mlb i do it a lot for uh the mls as well um you know they all have their pretty specific reporters that tweet a lot of the news going in and out of the team daily um so those as far as me and especially for sober uh those are my favorite kind of media links that i like to check up on when i'm doing some research for the game and really trying to get a, a sense for what's going on so 
Uh, yeah, you you may have me beat on that. Uh, sounds like Alec knows the guys that have the Alex seal of approval. Uh, so take his word over mine for now uh, until I can get some legit sources that I trust and get in there. And who knows? Maybe, dude, pull pull your strings. Let's get him on the podcast. He could be he could be our guy in the NBA to what Tom Bogart is on the MLS side. So, you know, you never know. That's yeah, that, that'd be sweet. But I mean, I'm glad you kind of brought up going to, to individual teams and um, whether you have a specific team you follow or don't. I mean, NBA reporters essentially don't sleep. Um, so it's, it's nonstop for them. And I mean, you can just kind of pick someone that, you know, maybe one day that reporter is going to be the one to break the story before anyone else. So, um, there's just, there's so many out there and and you really can't go wrong with any of them. Um, you know, when in doubt, always look for that blue check mark on Twitter, but I mean, even then you can still get wrong with that. So, um, I think just the fact that there's such a huge following and it is, you know, really a global game is just makes it so fun because you never know when news is going to come and from who. So, um, always kind of keeps it something big. Um, but kind of moving on to a new topic here, you know, what do we think that, you know, scoring will be like in lineups to be like four, um, four sober basketball, you know, as I mentioned, it's, it's five guys on the court as a, at a time per team. Um, but do you think it's going to be something that you're, you're building a lineup of five players? You might put a sixth player in kind of as, as a flex spot. What do you think those lineups will look like? You know, you'd assume like, so would go for like, maybe like just a natural, just five, five players on the court. Um, maybe do like, I don't want to see them. I don't know. I guess they could go like position specific, but there's so many different, like, I guess like formations or type of play that you can, you know, you could play, you could play, you know, big hard ball in the paint, just really driving in the paint. You can play small ball, just really a lot of like shooters on the outside, not a lot of big guys on the court. So I don't necessarily want to see them just do like player specific positions in so rare so that you only have like, you're limited in like the different kind of like strategies and stuff that you can do or lineups that you can build. Um, but then again, like a lot of times in basketball, your bench kind of defines you and kind of speaks for the team itself. Like you could be, you could have five great starters, but once you rotate, once you guys give the guys some rest, let the bench come in. If that bench isn't great, you know, it's, it's, it's basketball streaky. You know, you really want to put up those, you know, 20 V five, like points, put points up on the board unanswered. And if your bench really can't do that um then you're you're gonna fall short and i know that's happened to the magic for the longest time that's happened to the bulls once the rosen went down like you guys fell apart last year mm-hmm. and you know it's stuff like that so it's almost like i kind of want to see so rare incorporate that as well um i feel like benefiting from having a little bit more diverse lineup and then maybe almost countering like you were saying like star-centric players like you know i don't want to face the guy who has kd lebron you know, and whoever else is hot at the time and just dominating week in and week out when you can throw in some maybe bench player, rotation players, you're going to come off the bench hot and really put in some buckets and help carry the team to a, a win. Um, so I really don't know. Uh, I play a little bit of DFS sometimes on DraftKings as far as the NBA. Uh, it's so fun. Those like rapid lightning rounds where you can play like second half. I love playing that second half, just seeing who's kind of doing good in the first half and then kind of basing it off that. So, uh, you know, I would love to pick up, you know, a bunch of defensive players who, you know, rack up rebounds, you know, and assists and, you know, defensive offensive rebounds and kind of maybe counter the high point scores. So there's, there's a lot of things that can be done. Um, I just really hope they kind of like diversify it. I know the MLB kind of only does uh, like offensive stats and offensive points, which it's cool. It's fun. It gives the MLB more action, which I feel like a lot of people over the years have been saying that the MLB might not be the most exciting. But I think defensive stats could also add to the dynamic and strategy building of the game there as well. But that's not really my forte either. So I may just be talking fluff. But you know, what, yeah. what about what about you? What what is what is your perfect NBA game? 
Man, I mean, I think the perfect NBA game for me. So, you know, as I mentioned, there's you have two guards, two forwards and a center. But um, I, I really think getting rid of the center position for so rare and turning that one into a flex kind of really gives it more your owners, more ability to kind of pick a better roster um, centers in the NBA would kind of be similar to goalkeepers in soccer, where, you know, there's really only a handful of solid centers out there and the rest are kind of just guys that not that they're just running back and forth on the court the whole game, but um, you know, they're really kind of just out there, not really contributing a whole lot in the stat sheet at least. So, you know, I think kind of rather than having a, a center position, making it more of a, you know, you can pick either a guard or a forward would really kind of give it, you know, owners more of the, the opportunity to build, you know, more diverse lineups and kind of things like that. Um, in baseball, rather than having, you know, a catcher position, it just turned into middle infielder. So um, kind of a, a good mix in between there, but would love to see them kind of go more the baseball route and, and kind of give you more of a flex option rather than locking you into a specific position, um, especially kind of with, you know, not being able to change your lineup recently, you know, after games come out and all that. So um, kind of with game weeks, you know, most teams will play three to four games a week. So that's something that, you know, I'm really interested to see in kind of what they do with game weeks, whether or not they split it a, a Monday to Wednesday or Monday to Thursday, and then a weekend series, or if it's because, you know, there's only three to four games a week, if you're just playing straight Monday to Sunday and um, kind of just have to wait and see. So going to be real interested to, to see what they do with that. So is, is there, are there like specific times that NBA like has, like, you know, football has like Monday nights, Thursday nights, uh, MLS, as far as next year. Uh, are going to try to go, you know, full Saturdays. You know, you have most football happening on the weekends with some, you know, midweek match fixtures here and there and tournaments and different other things like that. So is there like specific nights that the NBA like happen or is it just like randomly every night? You never know. There's like really no structure to the games is when they happen. Yeah, so I think a little bit of both, um, you know, Saturdays and Sundays are typically when most of your games are played. You can, you know, a team can count on playing at least on one of those, sometimes in both. Um, there's typically, I want to say less games on Thursdays or Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, you'll still get a handful, but those are probably the days where there's a little less, um, and then really kind of hammering home that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but you know, it really kind of depends on your team schedule. You know, if you're playing a, a back-to-back on Saturday and Sunday, you're probably not playing again until Wednesday or Thursday. So, you know, you could get a team that, that plays four games in one week and then plays three for a couple and jumping back and forth. So really just kind of depends on the league scheduling. But, you know, one thing that is cool about the NBA is they're very big about playing on holidays during the season. So um, they always have a bunch of games on Christmas Day, on Martin Luther King Day, on New Year's Day. So, you know, always fun to, to kind of get out there around the holidays and, you know, watch basketball. But, you know, from a from a Sorare perspective, it'd be cool if, you know, maybe they kind of target, you know, those as specific tournaments, given that there's, you know, less games, um, you know, on Christmas day, for example, I think there's only five games. So right. you know, it's more of a privilege to be able to play. It's kind of reserved for the better teams. It's more of a showcase day. So, you know, kind of building your lineups around that rather than including that, you know, in a game week. So it'll be real interesting to kind of see what they do with scheduling in game weeks as well. Right. Kind of going on that too. And I know that's kind of been a topic of discussion as far as the MLB product, obviously it's new. Uh, but there's not a lot of variation to uh, like game weeks as far as it is right now. And that could change in the future, obviously. But um, yeah, NBA could do it too. Um, obviously, there's not, you know, hundreds of teams like there is on the football side. You know, it's very a little limited like the MLB side is. But um, the way I was thinking and like kind of you brought it up. Uh, so DraftKings just dropped an NFT kind of game. Like, <clears throat> I don't want to say copycat of so rare, but it's very similar uh, for the NFL. 
And the one thing I do, like I kind of ditched my toes in a little bit, kind of just trying to check it out, see what's going on. Uh, this whole NFT space, like sports, fantasy, you know, what, be it what it may be, be collectability um, is really intriguing to me. Uh, so I kind of like getting like an overall picture of kind of everything going on and what they do there for like Monday night games, Thursday night football, stuff like that is they do showdowns, uh, where it's team specific. So Thursday night football, be it, what is it tonight? It's like Cincinnati, Miami or whatever. Yeah. So the, so the only players that you can use for that game, you know, is just players from those two teams. So it makes it a little bit more specific. It's a little bit more fun. You know, it drives liquidity. You know, you're saying like, oh, you know, I really want to play this matchup, blah, 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 blah. And now you're now you're finding yourself going and just buying all these cards that you never really thought twice about just to play the game. You know, you're going and picking up these guys, which is really cool. Uh, it could be fun for so rare. Clearly, it's not for everybody because it is very money intensive, but it is something fun. I would love to see that. You know, they've done really good on the soccer side to bring in all sorts of different fun and wacky uh you know, game variations and stuff like that. And I, I would love to see that in NBA as well. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, I don't really play a ton of soccer. I kind of just set my, you know, casual and academy lineup and, and call it a day there. But um, it is very fun to kind of just scroll down the list of tournaments. And, you know, you have, you know, ones that are specific to each region or U23. So um, it'd be very cool if they kind of hit the ground running with that on basketball. Um, you know, baseball, they were kind of in a tough spot given that they started halfway through the season, but, you know, with basketball, you know, given that they announced it before the season, they're, you know, launching it right when the season starts, it seems like, you know, it, it sounds like they can really kind of hit the ground running and, you know, just kind of start all these new tournaments and whether it's divisions, conferences, um, U23, you know, create a lineup of all one position type, you know, whatever they may have it, but, you know, there's, there's a ton of room for possibility there. And, you know, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what they do with it. And you know, I'm excited for it. I was kind of looking, cause I remember you brought up uh, kind of going on basketball and sober itself uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, as of the time that we're recording this. So when this is kind of coming out, this might've already happened, but we're getting our first game of the season. We're getting the warriors and wizards in Japan, in Japan of all in places. Japan. Yeah. What is, what is up with that? Why Japan? Uh, so it's, it's really kind of, you know, the NBA typically does a pretty good job of, of having, you know, exhibition games in the preseason really kind of all over the globe, really to grow the game. Um, I don't believe they've ever done one in Japan. So I think they're really kind of trying to, to tap into that market. Um, you know, they've done some games in China. They do some in Mexico, Canada, um, Europe, kind of all around. So um, I believe the Bulls are doing a couple in France next season for 2024, I want to say. So um, really a good job of in the offseason, just kind of getting the game out there and growing it. So um, I didn't think it would it would come up this quick. I was just kind of on the, the ESPN app and I saw that the Warriors were playing. And I was like, oh, I wonder what time this game's at. And so I was at 6 a.m. Eastern and I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be up for that, but that's definitely going to be something that, you know, I'll watch the highlights of. But I mean, yeah, just just real excited to have basketball back. And, you know, it feels like it's finally here, but um, always a cool thing to, to see these exhibition games really being played um, outside of teams, home arenas and, you know, especially halfway across the world like that. So I think it's just going to be great for the game in the long run and um, also just kind of a cool experience for those players too to, to get to be able to go out and travel and do that. So like. Even even going off that and kind of, you know, so so rare is a global game. Uh, we just had Euroball that just happened, you know, a few weeks ago, which uh, Franz Wagner kind of popped off for Germany. So that was cool. Not not shamelessly plugging the magic again. I promise this won't be a magic podcast. But, you know, being that it's our first episode, we haven't really dove in deep in it. It's a magic podcast now. So will that translate to the amount of people that come into so rare as far as going to play the game? Uh, with there being a little bit more outreach, I know Fran uh, basketball is pretty big in Europe too. 
I've heard around, I don't know this for a fact, but I know it's pretty big in Asia as well, which could be why they're in Japan. Uh, the article that I have pulled up right here, like one of the first things that I see in the first two paragraphs is big money is writing on. So it sounds like there's a lot of big money in Japan and a big NBA market. So what would something like that do for Silver? Would Silver benefit from it? Or do you think it's going to be more of like an America-centric kind of player base to start off in? Yeah, so I think it's definitely a global game. You know, you had mentioned Eurobasket. I think that's huge. Um, it's it's very popular over in Europe. Um, I always look forward to, to basketball in the Olympics and, you know, seeing countries like Spain and France and even Italy at times. Um, but I think what's going to be great and, you know, kind of comparing it to baseball for a second is baseball is kind of, you know, a little more of a an American sport in North America. And um, it, it's big in Asia too, but, you know, in Europe, it's kind of, it's more of an afterthought. Um, it's soccer and football, I should say football is more of the, the main focus there. So um, I think having it where there's a lot of European guys in the league and it, it's really going to allow, you know, a lot of fans that, you know, play soccer or play football, excuse me. I gotta, I gotta get better at that being new to so rare. Listen, um, in so rare, you're not going to please either. them all. It's either yeah, you it's, do or you don't. That's going to be the death of me here. So on the football side, a lot of managers that play so rare football, I think you're going to have more of an opportunity to, to, you know, kind of follow along a little better with, you know, um, guys, if they're, you know, if there's a bunch of French players, you know, kind of things like that. Um, Rudy Gobert, for example, is probably one of the more well-known French players in the NBA. Um, he just got traded um, this past off season from Utah to Minnesota. So um, a lot of big trades there. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo is from Greece and he's the Greek arguably freak. the best player in the league. Yeah. The Greek freak. So um, he's won an MVP and NBA championship, you know, within the last couple of years. So um, there's a ton of talent from over in Europe, which I think can do, you know, nothing but help the game of, of basketball, but also on the so rare side, um, really kind of connect more fans to, you know, to the game itself. And it's going to be real interesting to see um, kind of how that translates as well. How are you gonna how are you gonna mention European players? Not even mention Luca. Come on, bro. Oh my come on. I got, I'm sorry, but I gotta call you out in the spot right yeah, now. Yeah, no, that's we're gonna talk Euroball and no talk, no, not even a reference or a smile towards Luca. Oh yeah, man. that one's uh that's gonna be tough. And um, and it's funny, Rudy Gobert's a guy that um on and basketball fans typically gets a lot of slander. So um I'm sure I'll hear from some friends on this that I that I mentioned Rudy Gobert and not Luka Doncic. So um we'll see how it goes. Might just have to leave the uh, the phone on do not disturb for the next couple of days and just kind of hope that no one messaged me about it. But um yeah, I mean even even Luka Doncic, a guy that you know played in Europe from I want to say even when he was 16 and 17, came into the NBA. Um, a top, he was went fourth or fifth in the draft and I mean, instantly made an impact. So, um, he's a huge success story for that of guys that are coming over from Europe. You know, I mentioned Giannis, um, he was more of a project was kind of just a young guy that, you know, was crazy athletic and, and, you know, the Milwaukee bucks kind of took a chance and said, Hey, we see something here. And, and now he's one of the best in the league, but you know, there's guys like Luca that'll come in, make an instant impact right away, just cause they've been playing, you know, over in Europe for really their whole lives. And it's just, it's incredibly competitive overseas too, which, which is always great as well. Um, it's not just the fact that, you know, the NBA, the NBA will be kind of your top league, but they're still incredibly competitive leagues over in Europe. And I mean, that'll do nothing but help grow the game of basketball, but also on the server side, you can kind of, you know, see guys who are playing well and are, who are draft eligible and you can kind of target them early on and say, you know, Hey, this might be a guy that, you know, whether or not he gets picked by my team, I know I'm going to go after his card on, um, so rare. So, you know, that'll kind of make it really interesting too. No, oh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of cool that you bring that up because I and like I don't know the legitimacy to this, but as as far as my understanding is, a lot of a lot of players now like instead of college, they're going and playing one year of Euroball. They're going to play in Europe and then coming back. So you there, there's guys that you could scout in Europe. Like yeah, a lot of people love watching you know the Final Four, you know, and college basketball and stuff like that. But 
as far as so rare, you're talking global game. It's like now you're saying if you put in the time and the effort to really catch some of these games in the EuroLeague, when you got these young kids going and like maybe taking a different pathway, um, dude, it opens up a lot of opportunity for like maybe, you know, catching onto a guy before somebody else does and kind of really being able to capitalize on that. Um, and kind of on that as well, while you were talking about like Luca, what what makes what makes an NBA player great, right? Like, obviously, you got your shooters, you got your defensive guys, but, like, the real, real solid overall guys, like, what what do they have that others don't? Like, what makes a guy in the NBA superstar? Yeah, so I think um, really kind of similar with other sports, you got to really just have that drive. Um, you know, Kobe Bryant was was one of the best, com- you know, competitors in the NBA at the time. He was a guy that was willing to stay in the gym at, at any hours, was willing to get however many shots up he needed. Um, he was just going to flat out outwork you and – um, you know, there's, there's the saying that hard work beats talent, but when you find a guy in the NBA that has the talent and he's willing to put more work in than you, that's just going to, you know, skyrocket him to the top. So, um, you know, being able to put in those hours, especially, but, you know, I think the biggest thing especially is going to be, you know, finding a guy that can do more than one thing at the top of the league. So for example, Steph Curry is, you know, I would say he's the best shooter in the NBA ever. Um, but in addition to being a great lights out shooter, he has incredible ball handling skills. He's a great passer. So, you know, even when he doesn't have the ball, whether he's shooting it or not, if he's trying to get open, he's just a guy you always have to have your eye on. Dude, he's um, a pest. He's a yeah, pest. He's, he's a pest. He's a guy. If he's on your team, when he gets the ball, you're telling him to shoot every time. And when you're on defense, you're just hoping he misses. Dude, he I is mean, just... You can have a hand in his face. It will not matter. That thing's still going in. So um, he's a good example. Um, you know, a guy like Giannis, who I mentioned, who's just an absolute freak athlete. That's just something you can't teach. You know, you can teach someone how to be good at basketball. You can't teach, you know, someone to jump out the gym and have, you know, a seven, four, seven, five foot wing wingspan. So, um, athleticism is always, always a plus, but, you know, finding a guy that can just do the little things perfectly and you just kind of excel at, you know, two or three different, you know, spots within the game will really just kind of set you above, um, you know, LeBron James is a, a guy who's been, I think he's in year like what, 20 something, 22 now. year, 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's been in the league forever. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that does everything. Well, he's a lockdown defender. He's a great rebounder. He's a great passer. Um, he's, you know, not the best shooter, but we'll still knock him down if, if you give him space and we'll make you pay for it. So, you know, a guy like him and he's kind of really more of a, a generational talent. He's kind of this generation's Michael Jordan, you know, but, um, I mean, he can do, he can do everything well and, and love him or hate him. You know, I, I'm a bulls fan. He killed the bulls for, for really my whole life. So I can't stand seeing him play, but at the same time, you just got to tip your hat to greatness. And and when he's playing, he's must see TV. So um, it, it's really just kind of doing multiple things at, at an exceptional level. And, you know, that's also what makes it fun. There's guys that'll just come out of nowhere too. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I got, I got to go, I got to go to a game courtside once. Uh, oh, cool. And it was, it was totally random out of the blue. I had a friend hit me up. His dad was some important, boring guy, whatever, but don't even know what he did. But so I got invited to this game and I was like, yeah, dude, whatever. Like, I'll go. Didn't know. I didn't even know who was playing. Just I was like, yeah, dude, like, I'll go. You, you don't pass up that opportunity. Come on. So so we get there and like we find our seats. And dude, as soon as we get there, I realized that they're playing the Cavs. So I got to watch LeBron play courtside. And when I tell you, like, say what you will, man, people like this guy. People hate this guy better than Jordan, not better than Jordan, whatever. I don't care. Watching this guy play basketball on the court. Just watching him with the ball in his hands, the way he just scanned the court, the way he just knew exactly what was going on. Like you could just see just everything playing out in his head. Like, like you said, he is really a generational player. Like it is just incredible to watch. Like there are some athletes that, that are like that, you know, I go to a lot of MLS games and, you know, I've got to watch like watching Hani Mukhtar 
run around the pitch, you know, is incredible for Nashville. You know, I, I'm going to get shot for saying this as an Orlando fan, but Joseph Martinez in his prime, just watching him just zip around the pitch, man, just is incredible. Just watching like really, really, really star athletes like that, just doing what they do, like perfecting their craft. It's just like one of the most incredible things that uh, anybody could do. Dude, I, I'm excited. I, yeah, I am so excited, especially to go to, uh, I'm going to try to go to a bunch of magic games this year too, especially now, now that we're doing this, like, Oh God, I guess I got to go <laughs> and check out these guys, you know? Like, right oh no. Yeah. But I mean, we, I know we've talked about stars a little bit, but you know, I think something that's going to be big in basketball as well as kind of fine and really any sport as well is is finding those guys that are kind of, you know, undervalued lesser known names, but you know, either are going to still put up, you know, good numbers under the radar or could be, you know, solid down the line. So, um, you know, kind of what are some guys or what are names of guys that you think would be, you know, kind of those players that you're going to want to target, you know, whether it's, you know, you're building a budget team or you're trying to find that guy that's really going to set you apart um, with the lineup because you know, you're going to have them in your lineup every week and not many others will. Dude, I haven't even thought that far to it yet. Yeah. Uh, but no, there, there are some guys and like, I will like, obviously like I'd be, who would I be if I didn't mention Paulo this year, obviously, but mm-hmm. that's not really like undervalued because obviously number one pick number first round, number one pick, you know, he's the guy all eyes are going to be on him. I wouldn't really say he's undervalued, but you could say that there are a lot of players around him that may be undervalued because no one's cared about the magic. Um, he is, I, I'm pretty sure he's coming into the season hurt, but Gary Harris is shooting guard, the magic. This man really popped off at the end of last season. Uh, if he gets wide open in the quarter, man, he is sinking some threes. He is, like you said, just overall, just good at a lot of things. He's a nuisance on defense. He could put up some points. Uh, as far as me, like, look, especially when it comes to so rare terms, like I'm not, I'm not whale. Uh, I don't have a giant budget. So I've, I have made my life around finding these undervalued players. And a lot of it for me is finding the guys that no one talks about that compliments the stars. Like who is the guy that is getting the ball into Steph Curry's hands and racking up all those assists to get those three. Well, it's a bad example. Steph Curry will just do it by himself. Anyway, he'll assist himself. Even guys off the bench, look at Terrence Ross on the magic where he comes off the bench, and just starts sinking threes out of nowhere, just really, really roll players. And that could, that could play a part in so rare too, you know, kind of getting away from those star centrics, like say LeBron gets a bad game or gets pulled early or someone's, you know, not smart and goes and buys a Draymond Green and he gets thrown out for the third time in a month. Like, you know, stuff like that. So just having those guys that can come off the bench and like really, really put up points, assist the guys, get the ball and the right players, you know, maybe there'll be points for picks, you know, and who's the guy who's getting there and just, you know, setting up all the picks, you know, picks and roll, pick and rolls. Like that would be, I would love for that to get scored. Cause I would love to just put in like all around guys on defense, just doing like work off the ball and just really rack up the points and counter, you know, Steph Curry's putting up 40 in a night, you know? So, so I may not be the perfect, like I said, next week, I got you. Like we will go into players. Right. But as far as you, like, who, who are you looking for? Who are the guys that maybe no one's talking about? Maybe went even rookies that maybe went later down in the draft who were like, Hey, if Tom Brady could be the last guy in the last pick of the draft and turn it into what he is, like there has to be some in the NBA too. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the Bulls just because that's kind of what I know best. But Iota Sumu, who was a a point guard out of Illinois, was a, a late second round draft pick. Um, was a guy that you know was kind of athletic, but wasn't really gonna supposed to come in and make a huge impact right away. Um, but he was great for the Bulls off the bench. 
Um, and then especially once Lonzo Ball for the Bulls got hurt, he was their starting point guard. You know, Desumu came in right away um, and really just kind of, you know, proved everyone wrong, made a huge impact right off the bat. Um, so he was a guy that, you know, like you had mentioned, he's going to complement the stars very well. You know, he's not a guy that's going to go out and score 20, 30 points a game, but he's going to score 10 points, rack up some assists, rebounds, um, a lot of your complementary stats as well. So, you know, he's not putting up your huge so rare score, but he's he's doing a lot of things in smaller categories to kind of at least keep you competitive. Um, and he's a guy that's going to be, you know, very undervalued there. Um, you know, Karis Levert, who is in Cleveland now, he's most likely going to come off the bench for them. So if you're just kind of looking at starting lineups, you're not going to see him. But he's going to be a guy that late in games, he's probably going to be, you know, closing out the game. Um, you know, one thing that we haven't really talked about just yet with basketball is, you know, you have your starting lineup, but I think more important than your starting lineup is what is your closing lineup? What's your lineup going to be? Who's going to be in when there's four minutes left and it's a tie game? Who are those five players you're putting out there? Um, you know, we kind of touched on having a center. A lot of teams won't play a center those last five minutes or so. Um, really depends on the game. So that's when kind of having a guard like Karis LeVert being in the game is going to be huge. And, you know, he may not start the game, but he's sure finishing the game and he's going to make a huge impact. Um, you know, Tyler Hero down in Miami is the same way. I think he won sixth man of the year last year. So, you know, he's a guy that's he's sitting those first couple minutes of the game. But when, you know, your starters kind of come out of the game, he's coming in, he's running the show and and down the stretch, he's doing that. So, um, you know, that's a big thing or a big name as well. Um, Gary Harris is a great one. He, you know, loved him back in uh, when he played for the Nuggets. But, you know, lockdown defender can shoot corner threes and and just does a lot of the little things. So, you know, there's there's a much longer list. We'll have to put together something for for the listeners to really kind of dig into it. But, yeah, I mean, it's there, there's a lot of guys that are out there that that'll play 20, 25 minutes a night and aren't going to put up, you know, huge scores, but they're going to be guys that are going to at least keep you competitive, definitely on a budget. Well, and that's kind of why I was saying earlier, we're like, I want to see that balance. I want to see so rare, bring that balance. And we're like, Hey, like, you don't just want to go and get the guys that are going to put up, you know, 30 points a game, just rack up all this, like, you know, all these points, just scoring the bucket, but not really doing anything around. Like, I want to be able to counter those guys, go anti-meta and be like, yo, I'm going to get the guys that are in the paint, getting all the rebounds, the secondary rebounds, offensive rebounds, you know, putting it back up. Like I want to see those guys, the guys that are getting in, putting in their body in the paint, you know, taking fouls. That's a really big thing. You take that charge. Like mm -hmm. I want my guy to get a point for just taking a charge. Like, you know, whatever you will, whatever you will say the dark arts of basketball, you know, it's in every sport, whatever. But I kind of want to see some of that too. Cause, cause realistically at the end of the day, it's part of the game. And I think being being a so star centric, like we've said multiple times, I, it would be a really great way to balance things out, really kind of add variety and like really make it to where I don't have to go and spend, you know, three ETH, four ETH, 10 ETH on LeBron just because he's, you know, putting dominating the league with the Lakers, which might not happen. I, mm. Will it? We'll, we'll find that. That's going to be a big question mark that, you know, I'm looking forward to a couple episodes in when we can touch on that. And um, as I mentioned earlier, not the biggest LeBron fan, but solely because he, he torched the bulls my whole life. So, you know, when his teams aren't doing so well, I kind of view that as a win for the bulls, whether or not he's playing them. So um, that that's going to be real interesting as well. But I mean, yeah, I mean, they have all the, the kind of secondary stats in soccer tackles headers one. Um, there's so much of that in basketball. There's charges, there's fouls drawn. 
Um, you know, there's pass to assist in, in basketball. Really, you're only getting an assist, the actual fi- making the final pass. But a lot of times what's more important than that final one is if you have two guys open, you're passing up an open shot because you know the defenders are closing in on you and you're and leaving your teammate open. So um, if they can kind of find a way to, to add in that stat, or, I mean, just anything on the defensive end, tip pass, you know, um, t- turnovers forced. Um, I mean, there's, there's so much they can add into it. So it'd be great to really kind of counteract, you know, your stars. So it's not just straight up, you know, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. There's got to be something else they can add in too. So um, I'm real excited to see, um, you know, what they add in for scores and and kind of how that's going to be weighted and balanced out as well. Yeah, no. And I, and I know like, obviously, obviously there really is like nothing to be scared of. Like they so rare really hasn't disappointed. Say what you will about the rollout of MLB, but like they've pulled out a solid product from the very beginning so like there's really no reason to worry that they really won't get this nba like at least the scoring matrix right uh but just the fact that mlb did just go maybe just like straight offensive heavy uh well mostly all of it except for like pitching it almost like made me go oh god like what are they thinking for nba like are they gonna really like dumb it down a little bit or are they gonna add in the triple doubles double doubles like you go on espn like triple doubles like people are like talking about it like, you know, it's a really big stat line. It's something that people really, really look forward to. So it'll be really interesting uh, to see how they do that. And I'm really looking forward to the announcement whenever they do drop that. <laughs> do it soon, please. You know, there's re- there's really no no way to tell until we get that. So until then, we will speculate. We will have fun talking basketball, talking all these guys, upcoming guys next week. I'll know more guys than just Magic Guys, I promise. <laughs> that and Zion. Zion, Zion and Kawhi, comeback season of the year. Yeah, Watch, totally. it's going to be a thing. Don't write them off. Everybody else is writing them off. But um, and going, we've obviously covered Sober. We've covered that NBA is a new product, but it is not. It is not the first NBA product on the blockchain. Most of you have heard about Top Shot. Top Shot came around during the NFT boom around the end of 2020 into 2021. NBA Top Shot. What, what do you know about it? Do you know anything about it? Uh, what is what? What is your view on Top Shot? Yeah. So I never really got involved into Top Shot. I just didn't know enough about it to really feel comfortable getting involved. But from what I've seen, um, it's it's more of a, it's an NFT, but rather than specific players, you're kind of looking at highlights. So you're looking at a poster dunk, a half court shot, um, a buzzer beater. You're looking at more specific moments. So um, I think that was something that that's kind of cool for, you know, your collector and basketball fan to, to be able to own those highlights. But you know, comparing it to Sora, I think what really is going to make Sora unique is you're owning these players and you're getting points for based on performance. So, um, you know, I think in a way the two platforms kind of can coexist. I think they're both, you know, very great um, ideas. You kind of have one that's more on the the scoring and fantasy side and you have another that's, you know, hey, I want to be one of 10 people that owns, you know, a digital version of this buzzer beater, whether it was, you know, for my favorite team or to win the championship kind of things like that. So um, that's kind of, that was, was, you know, my takeaway from it. And it's, it's definitely something that's still growing, but you know, I don't know if you dabbled in it at all or kind of what your, your thoughts on that are as well. I didn't dive into it. I remember when it first came out and it started getting hype. I was like, Oh, what's this? And I was like, NFT is crypto. I was like, ah, get rich. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then I think I signed up for it. I like, didn't know what the heck was going on. I didn't know what was what at the time. Like you were waiting in these queues with like hundreds of thousands of people, like trying to just get a drop for, I don't even know how much they were. I couldn't even find the price on it. That's, that's how like not great it was at the time, but people were just like, you know, going crazy over these things. So I never hopped in it, never bought into it. I'm kind of glad I didn't because the market has done nothing, but continuously go down since the peak in 2021. Uh, it's a cool product. Um, I was kind of browsing around. Uh, there are some cool, yeah, you're basically just buying highlights. Um, Dave, uh, I have noticed on Twitter, 
that a lot of a lot of complaints coming from Top Shot are the just like the scarcity factor. Like there's just so much. They've just released so much, dropped so much, so many different packs that like the market, like there's just no demand for the supply. And like the scarcity is just like kind of one of the things that's like really destroying it. And they've kind of like they've kind of created this like burn mechanism where you can like buy moments and then trade them in for like a legendary moment. Like one of the ones that's going on right now, I'm looking at the homepage right now is a Larry Bird, the 1986-87 challenge. Uh, It looks like a buzzer beater. Which is cool if you're a Celtics fan, you love Larry Bird. Uh, I think legends and, you know, icons of the NBA are really, really important for the game, uh, mm-hmm. which we can get into in a further episode because I really, I really like like that topic and I think Sarah would benefit from it. Uh, but legends in the NBA would be sick and so rare. Not so much the football side, but they are great. And yeah. I think, they, yeah, they, they would kill it in the NBA. But yeah, I mean, it's cool. I, would I own some of these? Yeah. But I'd rather buy some guys, play some fantasy sports, and yeah, it's it's way more fun. I don't really see the appeal in Top Shot, uh, but it's cool. If I had some extra funds, yeah, sure, why not? Like I would totally dabble into it, and dude, maybe we can maybe we can like do some crossover, maybe get some Top Shot guys on here and like really really talk about it. Uh, kind of maybe get them to explain to us what what Top Shot is and like really figure out what it is. Uh, being that obviously Silver is new to the NBA space, um, from you know, it's it's a different kind of it's a different kind of game in the NBA in the same space, general relative space. Uh, there's enough room for everybody. We can share the market and it'll be fine. We could all make money. We could all have fun. But if you're coming, say you're a top shot guy, you like these highlights, you own these highlights, you own your favorite players coming into so rare. What's the first thing that you would notice or what would be the difference? What would what, what does so rare have to do to get someone like top shot to come over and stay? So I think the biggest difference is rather than going after these moments and highlights, you're going after individual players. Um, so rather than, you know, building a gallery of, you know, certain highlights, you're going after players to put in a lineup to score points and kind of really build that fantasy aspect of it as well. So, you know, you're trying to to both play the NFT game of you can find, you know, players card that it's the first of their mint. It's that number one, um, you know, or in baseball, they do the Jersey number. That's a big one as well. So if you're trying to collecting, you can go that route. Um, or if you just want to go, you know, straight up the fantasy version and say, hey, who are these guys that are going to get me the most points? And, you know, it doesn't matter if I get their number one, their number 99, their number 1000 doesn't matter to me. I just want to get a guy who's going to go out. He's going to put up points, rebounds, assists, really help those lineups. You can really kind of go out and do that. So I think the the versatility with that and, you know, given the fact you can play the collecting game or just play the fantasy game is, you know, definitely the I think the biggest difference, but also something that's going to be very attractive for for people who have been on top shot that are looking for, you know, kind of that, you know, fantasy aspect, but you're staying, you're staying connected to it. You know, when you, you go out and you purchase a player's NFT card, it's, it's more so than just, you know, picking them up in fantasy and you have them for the week. And, and that's kind of it, you know, you, you know, it feels like you own kind of a, a part of that player. And, you know, when they do start really start really doing well, you know, you kind of get excited about it when they're not, you know, you're kind of down on it. So you know, really kind of lets you feel more connected to the individual players. And I think, you know, collectively and as the game as a whole as well, you know, you're, you're following every game, you're seeing who's ahead of me in the standings, who's below me, who can catch me. But, you know, you're, you're watching a guy hit a three that you're thinking, ah, that's meaningless. It's at the end of the game, the game's already over, but you know, you're looking at your sober lineup and you're like, that just kicked me into a reward. Like, and that could be the difference as well. So really, you know, feeling that connectivity to games to to kind of watch and, and see that every possession matters is just going to be the the biggest difference but also something that's really exciting just for for basketball fans as well 
and, and and there's some people that make that argument. Uh, there are the people that like, oh, servers utility, not really collectability, and vice versa. Um, from seeing from Topshot and the numbers that Topshot have put up, there is there is some sort of market for collecti- for collectivity. There is something there. Like you know, they do have utility now. Not may may not be the same or as useful or whatever whatever context you want to put it in is so rare. Um, is what what's the argument? Do you do you see Sober's collectivity collectivity? God, what a word! Collect, <laughs> collectivity, or do you simply just see it as a fantasy game? Or what what could Sober do to really capitalize on that collectivity? Is there something that they could do different that you haven't seen them do, or like something that you've already kind of been like, oh, I would totally collect this if they did this? I definitely see it both ways. I mean, I I play at least on the baseball side more of the um, you know the scoring side of it. I don't really care too much of the um, collectability aspect, but at the same time, I made sure that I got you know one or two cards on day one when it launched because I wanted to see that that single digit mint number. So um, you know, even someone like myself who you know claims that they're really just in it for scoring, there's a part of me that wants that number one mint or that wants that jersey number. So you know, you can kind of go that route. Um, you know, I've seen seen trades offered where you know one person's trading you know a number two for the that card's number one and then some so you know you can really kind of go the the collecting route or you can go the fantasy route and um, it, it really just kind of depends on what your personal preference is but i think having that option to to go both routes is what makes so rare just such a fun platform and you know really helps grow the community as well because you may you know connect to someone and, and say hey you know i know you're more of a collector but you know, here's their one mint. I just want the one that you have as well that may not be, you know, as flashy, but, you know, I'm willing just to trade that straight up because to me, whether it's a number one or a number 50 doesn't make a difference. So, you know, really kind of, you know, grows the community and also just some of the the friendships and connections you can make outside of that too are just going to be really cool to see. No, no, I agree. And dude, I'm a sucker for a low cereal. I, I will, I will hold out. I will wait if I don't find my, like, I have like this perfect balance, right? When I'm like looking for cards and stuff, like, yeah, I could sweep the floor. Yeah. If I really need a guy for a lineup, yeah, dude, I'll just sweep the floor. I don't really care. But if I'm really sitting there, like I'm scouting, like I am trying to find that perfect equilibrium between low cereal and like good price, like not too, like I'm willing to pay up like maybe like a dollar or two, you know, or whatever point zero, not zero, whatever ETH total that you guys want to count in however however you you keep track of your silver account yeah i am definitely a sucker for a small cereal so i i i have drank the kool-aid i love so rare so I, it doesn't really matter what it is now because i believe that in a couple of years you know it should pay off and maybe it doesn't i maybe i'm just i'm just like that and i just really really like low cereals but yeah i mean other than that i don't really have much else to bring up for this nice beautiful introductory soccer soccer oh my god look at that oh god can't i'm fi- oh god i'm fired this basketball podcast over in the states basketball are there any any other things alec that you want to bring up anything that you're looking forward to before we talk again any preseason games any matchups any news anything else that you would like to say I mean, I'm going to go on record right now. I'm looking forward to that first Bulls Magic matchup just so we can we can get that over with. That'll be a very interesting podcast that uh, that episode that we record. But um, no, I'm just I'm excited for so rare. And, you know, it's baseball. I've had a blast on, you know, football, I know, has been incredibly popular and successful. So, you know, it's it's going to be great to see kind of, you know, where this takes off and, and can't wait to see it. And you know, if anyone on Sora is listening, the sooner the better you can drop this. You know, we're we're itching for it. We can't wait. So, you know, basketball season's right around the corner and you know it's it's just gonna be great. Ah, 
November 18th, Bulls versus there Magic. There it is. Yo, maybe we can get like a live stream going. We can watch the game on live stream and have people just come in and just talk smack about how both our teams are terrible. That's, I mean, hey, with, with, <laughs> with the way the Bulls have had this offseason, that'll probably happen too. So, I mean, I'm I'm more than happy to, to do that. That'll be real fun. No, I drank the Magic Kool-Aid too. So right now I'm like, dude, we got the guys. We got Jalen Suggs. <laughs> we got all the top guys, bro. Nobody, don't sleep. Don't sleep. But Alec, where do we find you on the internet? Where, where, where do you hang out on the internet? What? So I am on Twitter a ton. That's probably my biggest platform. Um, so my, my Twitter is my first name underscore last name. So it's, it's a L E C underscore M A R O V I T Z. Um, we'll throw that in the show notes as well. I know I kind of a somewhat difficult last name, but I mean, that that's what I'm on the most. I'm always liking stuff from, you know, whether it's highlights, you know, a, a funny missed shot, a rumor here and there. So um, that'll be, that'll be pretty big to, you know, if, if you ever want to shoot me a DM, whether it's about lineup or just simply talk basketball, I'm, I'm always down for that. So, um, definitely big on Twitter and, you know, that's kind of, that's, that's my go-to platform for everything. That's where I get my news. That's where I get my highlights. That's I'm locked in 24 seven. Listen, I love Twitter. So does Alec, Alec Morowitz straight to the point straight, just his name on Twitter. Listen, this might be the most formal exit to a podcast you will ever get on sober in the states but this is the basketball show we are so excited to bring you so much content coming up with the release of the nba product as soon as hopefully they do a release video like the mlb product so we can kind of hype that up maybe do a special episode after the live stream get you guys caught up what we heard what we liked what we didn't like but we will be coming to you hopefully on friday so you have sober in the states in your ears all week long it's everything that you asked for even if you didn't ask for it you got it you're gonna listen to it and hey next week we have a big creator in the web3 space he is so big i don't even know who it is all right this guy is so important that i don't even know who it is but i'm excited to talk to him i'm excited to talk to alec again I am excited to miss every jump shot that I try to take in my old age because I am not that great anymore. But either way, we're hyped for basketball. Alec, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it.